Cavalry. We are not associated with this is a perpetual indulgence. Hello, welcome to Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Hang on, I'm going to get Carl on the line. Let's watch a full-length Alright, hang on a sec, Carly. Oh, I don't hear you. Uh, Carl, there's a feedback going on, I think. How are you? Uh, terrible. This is, I'm calling you back because I don't have a good phone connection. All right. Okay, okay. bye. All right, hi. Well, welcome back to Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube. Uh, Carl, we had to pick a uh, film, a long film, for us to uh, screw up our audio uh, before we watch. Uh... All right, so Carl's going to call us back. Let me tell you the show. Welcome. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Uh, what we do is we watch a full-length movie on YouTube. And you can find us on iTunes with by our initials L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube.blogspot.com is our official... Uh, site where we embed the movies where we embed the movies and the idea is you listen to our podcast and watch the movie at the same time so let's try this one more time painful or not hello carl hi you back oh hey so yeah it's uh there's a big Dennis, feedback going on back. i called you back you call me back hi you back yeah hang on, hang on. So, carl how are you all right, good. You're feeding back. I don't hear it, so. Is it like Hendrix feedback or like, you know, early Beatles feedback? All right. So, Carl, uh, the idea of the this show. Yeah. Okay, you hear me well? and okay. Yeah, I think, I think I like... it's as good as it's going to get for our show okay. uh, here. Yeah. I plugged all this stuff. I was hoping we could go straight to the movie. Uh, the idea is that there's a lot of movies I always wanted to see, uh, heard about, and they're on YouTube. I tell let Carl know what the movie is. Carl watches it. Carl researches it. And then we want to watch, let's watch all this movie together. So, Carl, what's the movie today? Today the movie is Gas. Gas. <laughs> hyphen S, hyphen S, hyphen S. Oh, so it really is gas. Yeah, this is a Roger Corman film. It's 1970, and you'll search for G-A-S-S-S-S-S-S. Exclamation point. Wait, uh, hang on a second. I wrote F-A. G-A-S-A-S-A-S. Ah, gas. I see it. Three extra S's. So it's G-A-S and then S-S-S with dashes, hyphen. 1970. All right. So, how would you? Would, so, hello. I am a 1970 ticket vendor. Uh, what movie would you like to see today? I would like to see Gas. Oh, are you talking about Gas or Gas? Yeah, I'm. The... Okay. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we're only showing uh, the one with two S's. Actually, you need to be 18 or plus to see the triple S. So, uh, <laughs> triple S movie. All right, <laughs> stupid. All right, so movie. We, this movie is one hour, 98 minutes, so uh, 58 minutes. So let's just start it, right? Okay, now I suggest Larry Crist. Not Christ, Crist. Okay. L-A-R-R-Y-C-R-I-S-T. Would you say this movie is his passion? <laughs> the passion of the Crist. Yeah. Okay, so he titles it Gas, with the three S's, the original motion picture soundtrack. Right. Which is technically true because we're going to listen to the, watch the entire movie. 
Right. All well, right. yeah, I don't know why he says that. This is an hour and 58. It is the movie, not the soundtrack. He's tr- he's tricking the man. <laughs> All right, so go oh, ahead so and I click. I kind of don't... Yeah. Sorry. No, go ahead, Carl. I kind of don't understand. In this version, it starts out saying Orion. Uh, maybe they had a contract with it. We'll see in a moment. I, I think you want to get moving. Yeah. Uh, All right. So... Let's go ahead and start this movie. Yeah, Larry Crisp. uh, Gas, the original motion picture soundtrack. I've buffered it. I hit pause. How about you? I've buffered and I've hit pause. Audience? All right, let's go. So go ahead and hit play at three, two, one, go. Roar. Yeah, this guy's not lying. Oh, wait, he is lying? Oh, here's Orion. Whoa, I love this intro. It is how Orion appears in the sky. They skip the nebula, though. And the sword. All right. I'm not getting any sound You picked a good film, Mike. Uh, I mean, it's not literally a good film, but it's a good piece of history. Yeah, you know, I'm a big fan of the Mr. Corman, right? So, uh... Yeah. I'm aware that he made a bunch of movies and by 1970 he was still you know he was at his peak but he really peaked during the 50s and 60s I think and this I would count 1970s as part of the 60s and uh, this movie is for the 60s generation alright what's going on this animation we're going to see a cartoon at the beginning and um, in a minute maybe you'll turn the voice up because the general it's clearly they're trying to do John Wayne I'm having trouble with the sound on this machine again, so I, I'm not. I'm gonna wait. Let me see if you can hear it on my side. All right. Uh, some Inuit. Okay, I muted. Do you hear it? Did you hear yeah, it? Yeah, Okay, so it's a general. The chairman of the board of father of massive. So you can hear he sounds like John Wayne. What right. happened is there was an accident. They invented a gas that would kill everybody over 25 years old for military purposes. So, and unfortunately, it got out. So this is what the cartoon is explaining the plot. So the characters don't have to tell us a story. This stupid cartoon in the beginning will, will set things up. You're right, Mike, and it's really cheap. As a matter of fact, we start after it's all gone down and everybody's dead. We don't even see dead, you know, we don't see evidence of it. Oh, right. Yeah, because it would be stinking. I mean, old people smell, even when dead. <laughs> yeah, even when dead. Mike, you are funny. Well, I'm, I'm working with no sound today, Carl. Hey, does this film have, uh, it's going to give me subtitles? No. Okay, gas. you see the gas? It's spelled gas normally. Is, right. Or they it became it necessary out. to destroy the world in order to save it. So, if I may, I love Roger Corman, but he's a fucking rip-off artist. If you saw that long title, you're going to mistake this movie for Dr. Strangelove. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> he's such a fucking rip-off artist. Ooh, Cindy William and Ben Marine in this, and Tally Coppola, yeah. and Burt Court. God, yeah. Burt Court. Who else we got? These guys. <laughs> Is it hippie music playing? I'm going to try it again. Now, do you remember the old saying, don't trust anybody over 30? Yeah, I still stand for that. That's why I don't trust you. <laughs> I don't trust you. Look in the mirror and you go, yeah, right. I'm good. I don't trust it. I'm like, I'm getting up early and running around the block to start my day. Yeah, right. Okay, so I got some vague audio. We're having a, a field day here on our live show. Uh, so exactly. we'll just do it. I could barely hear Country Joe and the fish. 
Country Joe as AM whatever. George Armitage. I mentioned this last week. He directed a movie called Miami Blues. It's one of my favorite yeah. movies. And he also yeah. directed The Big Bounce with Morgan Freeman. And he's done some really cool films. So Corman's got some good hands in this film. <clears throat> All right. So this takes place in Los Angeles? Uh, uh, no, this is Dallas. Dallas, Texas. Okay, so it's nice to have a post-apocalyptic movie that takes place in another part of the country. Well, they hit the road. They hit the road. And, you know, they leave Dallas and go on a road trip after everybody dies. Oh. Well, this is before, right? Because look at those olds. Mm-hmm. Um, that guy yeah, should not be smoking. Right. We could probably kill him. Oh. Okay, now, here's our hero. He's running around the streets of Hello. New York of Dallas with a crossbow. Yeah, he's at A&M University right Oh, no, now. is it an airplane or a crossbow? It's a crossbow. Oh, and here comes the rational cops, but they must be... Uh... Oh. It's never explained why he has a crossbow and why they're chasing him. Never explained. He probably stole it, and they're like, come back with that crossbow. It was Green Arrows. It was Hawkeye's. I'm running out of fucking things why he would be running around with a crossbow. Because he's a fucking white guy and he's on a campus with a crossbow. It makes sense to me. Oh, it says, keep off the grass and the cops run over it. Right. I, want, I don't think that was a pot joke, but it would be on everybody's mind. That's what they called it. It's called irony, Carl. They're the, they're the man and the law says keep off the grass and they trample the law. <laughs> no, but the cops are the tramplers. You know, that's not even irony. That's real. Okay, so here we go up into uh, a church. Uh, okay? I see nudie picture sculptures. Man, they are running. Oh, they stop and they look at the girl and that guy fucking tumbles like a Keystone cop. And they're going into <laughs> church, right outside church. Man, I could barely cut the irony with a fork. <laughs> knife. There's a cop. Yeah, there. I know. You can never cut it with a fork. So there's our hero who's yeah. now put on priest clothes for You're some reason. you shitting me. The crossbow dude put on a priest coat? Yeah. He's already violated three federal offenses, right? <laughs> Being chased by a cop, running around with a weapon in a campus, and then impersonating a priest. No, no, that's legal. You can impersonate a priest. Wait, what's this? You can impersonate a priest. You can impersonate an officer of the law, a member of the government. But isn't there some federal law? I, I know church and state don't mix. Oh, now he's given a confessional. Okay, so... This woman we're meeting right now, um, she is going to let us know. Okay, where is she? Where is she? Scylla. Scylla. C-I-L-L-A. What she's doing right now is she's ta- She's an undergrad student. She worked with these people who created the gas. And she's letting this guy know everybody's going to die right. Like right now. And can I mention there's a movie poster of Debbie Reynolds' The Singing Nun, as The Singing Nun, uh, right outside the confessional, or in the confessional right. booth. So that's weird. And they, My wife, I, I used to call my wife The Singing Nun because she just refuses to sing. She, she moves her mouth. Did you, uh, you know, Carl, I used to call my wife The Singing Nun because I said, hey, honey, did she say, nun? What? I'll say, hey, honey, you want you want to uh, want to have sex okay. tonight? And she'll say, none, <laughs> none <laughs> sex. So I'm gonna keep going. It. it was the Edsel. I'll bring it up later. We'll see it in a minute. All right. Oh, that was an Edsel. God, this film is so ironic. Well, okay. 
all right, so we're talking about it, so let's just ring it up. Yeah. The Edsel was a failed car, as Mike, you know, and it was a failed car because the front, I mean, the theory is, it wasn't <laughs> masculine. The front has what looks to be like a woman's oh. entrance, okay? That's the Edsel, and that's why it failed. So, failure or not, I'm sure the Edsel will get more sets than we can. He's <laughs> probably doing a show right now, the fucker. <laughs> How come There's Edsel's movie. doing a set? <laughs> Edsel's in a movie right now. Yeah, what the fuck? Edsel's in a movie and I'm fucking stuck here? No offense, Carl. Now, it's a 1958 Edsel Pacer. You see, Pacer is really the name of it. Edsel was a car, but there were different ones. It wasn't like a company. It was a car. So Edsel so was named after a, like uh, Henry Ford's grandson or some shit like that. No, it was um, Mr. Sell. Um, Mr. Sell. Uh, Ed. Ed Sell. Oh, Ed Sell. <laughs> hey, uh, so boy. now they're making out and they've decided we're an item, even though we met in a confessional. It's very cool. You're impersonating a priest and we're going to go on the road together. Okay. Wow, things are happening fast for this movie. Let me ask you something, Mike. Sure. The soldier, like the average soldier in Vietnam, and that's what's on the mind of these people, was 19 years old. So why would a gas yeah, well, kill people? You know, we just 25? decided to uh, just to stay stoned. You know, uh, the whole world blows. Yeah, that's a good question. I'm getting some audio. He's explaining his philosophy is now that the old people are gone, we're just going to stay stoned all the time. Oh, so this already happened, and Dairy Queen's still open. Thank God. Yeah, that's how weak they are. This movie is really weak in this way. Businesses keep going. They're just... Everyone's 25 and younger. <clears throat> Look, like I was trying to get to before, never trust anybody over 30. That was the, like, mantra of the day. And so what Corman is doing here is saying, okay, hippies, I'll give you your world. You don't need to trust anyone over 30. They're all gone. And you guys are in charge. And Life's a party now. That was a mosh pit if I've ever seen one. What year is this? I, that wasn't a mosh pit. I think I made a mosh steak. <laughs> Did I lose you, Mike? <laughs> There's a lone dog barking on a rainy day under a Christmas tree. Those are dead people, Mike. Mike, are you even there? Carl, hi. I had the sound off the entire time. <laughs> I'm still here. God is under 25, so this guy's yeah, walking around. still outside. alive. So, yeah, I, I'm still here, Carl. Sorry. I mean, if, if God is still alive, he's under, you know, if he's if he is still alive, he wasn't killed by the gas. Did you see that man, that little, that guy ripped off a dead old man? Yeah, I saw that. That's classic young um, Fucking millennials, man. They'll steal anything. <laughs> yeah. Are they at the White okay. House? This, for some reason, they have to go to this authority for some sort of. I don't. I didn't understand this part. 
He's like some sort of boss. But he has his shirt off. This is whip. my authority. This is all I need. Carl, stop making fun of this movie. Sons of Force, you... Oh, no, wait, that is the movie. I'm doing Cartman. Authority. This is my authority. Yeah, it's a bad Cartman impression. He is oh, completely you hairless. You see the, did you see the sign in French? Oh, what did it say? Keep off the grass? No, it's pre... Okay, the joke is passed. Never mind. So he's questioning his authority. Not right. He didn't come to them to get permission to... Okay, watch. This is where Kennedy got killed. Oh, too soon. This is just like seven years later. See the Texas yeah, the Texas Book, Book Depository. That's where my uncle, uh, Lee Harvey... Oh, said and, too much. Okay, watch. This is where it gets... Uh, they didn't show it, but that's where he gets shut. Do you see the vagina on the Edsel? Oh, I do see the vagina on the Edsel. Right, yeah. in the middle of the car, there's a, uh, a long uh, vertical... Uh, Vagina. Now, you're not allowed to leave uh, Dallas. You don't have permission from that guy. So you've got to stay in Dallas. We have screw that, man. Oh, and then they shoot him. So weird. So they're on the road now. Right, and there's like three or four parked cars. Well, this, they probably spent a lot getting this designed. <clears throat> this was shot in um, both Dallas and in New Mexico. You see, they shot in New Mexico. Corman wanted to do it because it was the winter. It was November. And he was like, we have to have this film done by December. And uh-huh. the, his reasoning was, the themes in it are so topical. They're of the day. The thing's got to be released right now, or its time will pass. So he shot this movie in November and released it in December? Yeah, four weeks he had it. Well, actually, I don't want to talk ass. I don't know if he released it, but he completed it within four weeks, and it was in the hands of International America. They released it in 1971, so... Oh, right. I mean, so that's January. But still, that's less than a year. Yeah, they they cranked it out right away. They did not like it. So what they're doing here is they're burning books, and she's protesting, and and he says, like, they're crappy Harold Robbins or whatever. And she's like, okay, let's burn them. All right. Oh yeah, they got the books in there. Ah, oh, so nice to see not not to see a Kindle. Am I right? In a bonfire? Am I right? Don't you don't you hate it when some Yahoo brings a Kindle to a book burning? You're like, dude, <laughs> it's a book burning. Dude, all that that's gonna melt if anything, dude. Yeah, the air will be contaminated, and you could play poker on that. Mike, we need to make that a stand-up joke. All right, let's try it. We'll, we'll work it out right burning. now. We're on the road. Don't, don't you hate it when you're at a book burning and some asshole brings a Kindle? <laughs> That's a good one, just like that. Okay, All right, done. Mark, like noted. Then what about a tag? Burning Kindle. Um, yeah, well, like, I mean, at best, the thing will melt. Or I don't know, what do you... Okay, look, see, it says, visit the Oracle and find the answer. Did you All see right. the sign? Right, and it says 850 miles. So you vi- you will see this as a theme. Okay, you see that bus that's leaving there? Right, that he's never being followed. It. Right, why are they following? It's never explained until the very end of the movie. Can you tell me now? Yes. <laughs> I certainly could. <laughs> tell me now, spoil it now. <laughs> okay. Wait, 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 wait. If you're listening, cover your ears for the next, uh, <laughs> let's talk about it for five minutes. Oh, they're lassoing the, uh, the cowboys are lassoing the horse emblem on the, uh, 
And the guy right. is they refused so. to drive it. Now this guy who's on the horse right now, he wrote this movie. Oh, that's that George. That's George Armitage. He's a good guy, man. I would check out his George IMDb and check out all Armitage. his movies. He's a good guy. Billy the Kid is what his name is in this movie, and he wrote this piece of crap. <laughs> I would have myself. I would cast myself as Billy the Kid in my movie. Now, everybody. Okay, he know he directed Miami Blues, as you've made so clear. Nineteen ninety, a good film. He also, though, had another hit, 1997. Do you know it? The Big Bounce. Good guess, because he did do that. No, it's Gross Point Blank. That was his biggest Oh, Gross Point Blank. Right, right, which is a terrific movie, even though I think... He did it. Yeah. uh, Speaking about good guys, Alan Arkin, uh, John Cusack, Jeremy Piven, I'm sure they were a delight on stage. And um, what's his name, Saturday Night Live, the Ghostbuster, Ackroyd. Oh, that's right. He was funny in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Ackroyd stopped making movies, you know, like... Uh, I didn't get the joke of uh, Gross Point Blank for a time. Do you get the joke of the pun of the joke? Right. The it, took, the... it, it took me a while because there's a movie called Point Blank, which is what uh, right. the Walker uh, series is about. You know, the uh, uh, point payback and then there's... Um, uh, there was a recent Parker recent movie mm-hmm. that came out so I like those I read those series so I, I dig that right it's not only Westlake but then uh, uh, under a pseudonym but uh, Gross Point is uh, someplace in the Midwest right uh, yeah I think it's Michigan if you guys know okay, give wait, us a call we're meeting now we don't we know we have to interrupt ourselves because we're meeting Ben Vereen and oh. Cindy Williams Okay, so the Cowboys stole their car, right? Right. And then they walked on foot, and they went into this record store, and they're meeting two people who are going to be with them throughout the film. As, as Ben movies, Green, as who they did do. Roots. What's that? As they tend to do. As one yeah. tends to do. Right. When one meets one in a post-apocalyptic uh, time you gang up with people. Right, okay, like, so this is Ben Vereen, who we know from Roots, and the other one is Cindy Williams, who we know is Shirley from Laverne and Shirley. But this is 1970. Now, Cindy Williams actually had a pretty cool film career around this time. She was in a movie called no. uh, The World's First Nudie Musical or some shit like that. And then, yes. uh, uh, she was she, she has a cool film career. and uh, She did. Yeah. But it's not yet. This is before shit like uh, American Graffiti. American Graffiti, right. And it's before the conversation. She was in that with uh, Yeah, Gene that was 74. 74 was, uh, or 72 maybe. I think it was in between Godfathers. She's on her way to something to a good career. But right now she did Beware the Blob. She uh-huh. did The Killing Kind. Two horror films. That's it. Do you know she tried out for Princess Leia and didn't get the role? Oh, that's a bummer. She would have been fine. I mean, that would have been... She would have been been made. But no. So have you ever seen a movie called More American Graffiti? Uh, probably. Probably. It was, uh, it was written and directed by associates of uh, George Lucas, not by Lucas himself. And the gimmick was that you got to see... New Year's Day or New Year's Eve of every year during the 60s. And uh-huh. uh, so you got to see the characters. And I, I believe Cindy Williams was like uh, about to divorce uh, Ron Howard, if I believe correctly. 
Mm-hmm. It's a classic bad movie. I recommend it to anybody. <laughs> but we're right now. Uh, we're she's just raving. Sorry. Uh, no, go ahead, girl. She's just raving about music. She loves music. That's why she wants the record store, and she hates leaving. But they're gonna leave. Also, she's super pregnant with Ben Vereen's baby. Cool. You know that poor kid. He's not gonna have a parents after they turn twenty-five. That's right. I don't know what's gonna happen. They die. So this is Bud Court, by the way. It's hard to see that it's him. He's in his glasses, and he's got his hat on. That oh, right. guy. That's he's... Bud. You worry no longer. Okay, so that's Ben Vereen right now. Come on, Bert, say something. Um, Th- that was a joke, by the way. They have they guns, like, and they, they walk into each other. They right. Don't know how to, they they don't said know you doing. don't have to, yeah, you're protected. You don't have to worry about anything now. And then they walk into each other. Okay, so they've agreed... To, okay, here's what's happening. They want to go off to this Indian uh, Pueblo. It's where there's like a safe haven now that it's post-apocalyptic. But to do so, they need a car. And they were like, well, the cowboy stole my car. So Ben Vereen and him was like, okay, we'll help you get the car back. And that's why we're here in All right. this shootout. And this is back in like... They use a lot of deserted cars as props, and now they're in a, a car lot. Right. The joke what... here is they say cowboys' names as they fire. Now, you remember that in the 50s, not that you literally remember, there were, everything was cowboy <laughs> shows. Are you saying I would have been dead by now? <laughs> One can only hope, but I'm saying that you've been told yeah. um, that yeah. in the 50s it was all cowboy movies. So they're saying names right now. You can turn on the audio if you okay. want for a minute. Yeah. Of stars. Jim Brown! Hey, babe. It's the only one, you know. Jim Arnaz. Oh, I got that joke. Ben Vereen says Jim Brown is the only one. Oh, look. There's Kentucky Fried Chicken. Ward Bond. You're forcing me. See, they're trying to be a comedy. This is really trying to be a comedy. So now... The situations are ironical. Is that the right word? Yeah, it's ironical. If I could right. quote our, our friend, uh, director Dave Gebro's movie, the uh, ironical. Oh shit! What was that movie called? But Bionicle. He, no, he uh, the homeboy. He had a movie called The Homeboy, and one of the characters uh-huh. keeps saying ironical. I'm being ironical. Oh right. So that's what the comedies. Okay, he just said that he invoked the biggest one. He goes, John Wayne. And when he did, like, it's the winning shot. Right. And so now all the cowboys are dead, and the girls are like, yay, you killed people. You guys are so great. You killed people. Now they get their Edsel back, and they're going to take off. Okay, this is Edgar Allan Poe. So this is a dude on a motorbike with his lady, and they're all yeah. dressed in black. Are they... And the raven. Yeah. Uh... Now, when they started shooting this, they only had a first draft of the script. Right. They made up everything as they went along, and one of them was this Edgar Allan Poe character. He like he's like the, I I thought he was the Oracle. Maybe he is. He like he's talking to them now, but he's going to go away and watch them from afar throughout the film. I don't know why. So, flight may be the most reckless solution. Prince Prospero learned that the wicked. He seems like a reject character from the Venture Brothers. Like they said, eh, let's scrap this shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was on the cutting room floor. Cut, yeah, yeah good for that crap. <laughs> good riddance. Oh man, is that half baked? 
done. When you get cut from a Venture Brothers movie, there's not much to you care. Yeah. Oh, a TV show. It's a cartoon. TV show. And off they drive. Okay, so visit the Oracle and find the answer 538 miles. That's the same fucking sign. Unless you're getting closer, because the previous said 538 miles. Maybe they're getting closer now. This is 500. Where's the continuity girl? Corman. Carl, when no, I was you saw well, the truck that was following them again. Right, which you still haven't told me. The, the That's end. right. It's inexplicable. It's only explained at the end. Well, well, we may or may not uh, make it to the end because this movie is two hours, and uh, I would like to get out of here before uh, the next uh, show. I mean, the radio comes on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's, uh, I forgot to mention um, Francis Ford Coppola's uh, sister. Oh, because it said Coppola, and I was wondering about that. Francis Ta- Talia Shire. That's Talia Shire? Oh. Yeah, she, it's Talia right. Coppola. I'm such a fucking moron. <laughs> you are, but not for that much. Oh, so, I, wait a minute. I, are you insulting me? I don't so know. Ta- I, I'm certainly not insulting you. Um, I mean, not that time, but I, I am insulting to you. So uh, she was the sister of director and producer Francis Ford Coppola. And in this movie, you know, up to here, she did The Dunwich Horror uh-huh. and Prophecy. So she is definitely trying to use her brother's name to say, come on, cast me, come on. Well, I don't know the reason why uh, her name changed. To, to, maybe she got married or maybe she did change it. Like Nicholas Cage, of course, his, his last name was Coppola and he changed yeah. it to Cage. Right. So, uh, and Jason Schwartzman is Talia Shire's son. Uh, why do I know that name? What was he in? Uh, I don't know. Check out your Netflix pile and look at the movie you didn't bother to watch. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And he was in it? Yeah. Uh-oh, they're getting trippy so, now. Psychedelia. Oh, it's Country Joe. Joe. Yeah, he's the soundtrack person. Right now he's called AM Radio or something. Well, they say that in the credits, that he's playing AM Radio. Yeah. So right now he's not Country Joe and the Fish. He's AM Radio and the, I don't know, radios. I always think of the farmer's daughter. Like, are you a country blowjob and the fish? What's going on? (laughs) Let's talk about Country Joe just for a second, get it out of the way. Okay, go ahead Uh, and talk. He was, um, okay, you would know him from the Vietnam War song. One, two, three, what are we fighting for? Don't ask me, I don't give a damn. Next stop is Vietnam. You know it, right? Yes. Okay, and also he's known for, he was in Woodstock. His band, Country Joe and the Fish, were in Woodstock. That's his claim to fame. Now, there was only one other thing that's interesting about him, and was a lawsuit. Um, this woman, okay, in 1926, there was some guy named Kid Ori who made a jazz classic called Muskrat Ramble. And the daughter, Babette, sued this guy, um, saying that one, two, three, what are we fighting for was written by, you know, it was ripped off. She lost the court, the case. That's and crazy. Why would she lose? Because... It had been 26... Okay, in 1965, the song came out, and she didn't say anything till 1999. It was pretty obvious. Um, 
she went for de- three decades without making a lawsuit. So they said, come on. Now, this woman, she had to pay $400,000 for his attorney fees, and she had to sell the rights to the song uh, to get the money. So he really Wow, what a see. stupid, uh, terrible story. Godhead. Get it, gang? Godhead. Hey, cut you, Joe. Actually, Cut You, Joe, and the Fist were part of the whole San Francisco Summer of Love psychedelic explosion. Yeah. Uh, so, I have to be, because we're broadcasting here out of San Francisco, I have to say that. Did you know he's still alive, right? Oh, really? He was he was recently at that rally, uh, the Call It Frisco movement, and he spoke. And he, he had a cane. He really did not look well. Um, what, we, what rally But he's this? out there, and he's active. He's an activist. Oh, that's cool. So we got some psychedelic uh, going on, uh, including uh, extracitial uh, psychedelic images on the screen. Now he is not with our hero, her- heroine. He is not with Celia. He's with cocaine. All oh, the crack in the world <laughs> and the drugs. I get it. Yeah. Oh man, I'm just tripping balls. Really, my balls are to the floor. Like every time I walk, I trip. See, I trip right over. Yeah. And what happens when you get older? They hang. Yeah. There's a. J- I'm feeling that. I'm Jay Moore's uh, memoirs, Gasping for Airtime. He talks about Adam Sandler was on Mr. Belvedere, and he tells a story that Mr. Belvedere sat on his balls. Oh. I heard that on Gilbert's uh, Godfrey's podcast as well. So that's a good ball story. <laughs> this morning I was tripping balls. Uh huh. Yeah, it happens when you get older. Oh, uh, I thought you were going to say your son left all these balls on the floor and you tripped over them. <laughs> but it was actually your testicles. Yes. <laughs> oh, I'll just say that happens when you get older, they droop. How's that? They sag your balls? Well, that reminds me of that song about, do your balls hang low, do they wobble to and fro? <laughs> That's right. Do you tie them or not? You remember in elementary school they taught you that song as your ears? Does your ears hang low? Your ears. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck's that about? Fuck that. You mean hang low like testicles? <laughs> oh, uh, the scene's passed, so I've got to quickly bring it up. Oh, the psychedelic has stopped. see there, that's yeah. not who she... she uh, he made love to just some random girl. And uh, that is what gave the film an R rating, that scene we saw. Oh, because he slept with another girl. Right, and she doesn't care. It's hippie time. It's love and peace. If she said you broke our relationship apart, this would be rated G. She doesn't. See how they're all happy? See, everything's good in our new world with under 25-year-old people. Carl, I should mention real quickly that the rating system in 1970 was completely different from what it is nowadays. In fact, we saw a movie, one of our films we saw, and let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube, was let what would you say to a naked lady? And that got an X right. rating. And it was later yeah. rated R because it wasn't like what we imagined. That's uh, right. And also, one last thing I'll, I'll say is that the board has a rating, rated X. They don't have a rating called triple X. That is a complete fabrication. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, because you don't have to get your film rated. And they'll say this film is not rated. Uh, and... During you know Midnight Cowboy was the first uh, X-rated movie to be uh, to win an Academy Award as Best Picture, uh, yeah. And then you watch that movie now, it, it's an R. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Uh, so a lot of movies that we would consider R were rated X, and people wanted to get them in the cinema and to say, like, you're not going to be watching Midnight Cowboy. You're going to be watching dudes doing it. They'll say it's triple X. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You actually get to see the, the prostitute. I see where it came from now. Hardcore sex was triple X. Yeah, right. Well, whereas X was Alan Funt talking about, uh, oh, you, so you like fellatios, huh? So look, there's a football team driving around in dune buggies. And they're all okay, chasing there's after the our heroes. That doesn't get explained. Uh, okay, so I have to tell you what this is. It's kind of dumb. It's, so, see these Carl, dune buggies? Yeah, Carl, tell, tell the audience what we're watching. <laughs> you see, it's a traveling band of football players. I don't know why. With cheerleaders in a band. Yeah. And there's a coach, and they have all the equipment and everything. They're always in uniform, and they drive around in dune buggies. And what they do is they rape, pillage, and plunge. You see, they're stealing right They're now. stealing. And in particular, they're at a butcher shop taking slabs of meat, if that's symbolic. Yeah. Oh, there goes Now, the Mike, you're very sensitive about rape, and you always... Like give a rape warning. We yeah, because that. we respect our audience, and we should you know we're we're not here. We you want see? to have a good time. You see, ladies and gentlemen, he's very sensitive about. Uh oh, so you say this is going to be a Roger Corman rape scene? Well, it okay. They're going to do now. It isn't. It doesn't pan out to be a rape in the end, okay? But that's how it starts. We're going right. to rape you. Look, see how they're wrecking up the car. What for? They're just a marauding band of. Marauders. Yeah. The marauding they're marauders. Football people. And then they'll play a football game. Okay, so now... They're chasing this girl. She's on the bed. Scene. I had to. This but is it, for Mike, ladies and gentlemen. No, I guess the, their joke is that the football players are raping like their football. They're tackling. Oh, they got caught. She's wearing a helmet. See, it's all in fun rape of back then. Okay. Up against the wall. That's a penalty. You're outside. Wait, now they're outside. Now they are. Yeah, well, it's a comedy, and so it's like madcap crazy fun. Carl, they were indoors. They were in the bedroom where she was about to get, it was being assaulted. They confronted each other, and then a split second later, they're they're outside. Well, I think it's time has passed in in the world of the movie. I don't think it's just like. Okay. God, I should have taken the acid before the show. (laughs) Yeah, it changes up time. Man, if I was on acid, I'd be like, what a waste of my time. Can we watch Monkey's movie or something? Now, there's this other... Okay, you see how it never happened? There wasn't any rape. Right. Go Warriors, Rape Pillows. The hat was was lighthearted, right? Right, yeah. Next time there is an attempted rape, what the woman does is she bores them to death with, like, a feminist diatribe. All right. (laughs) So... You just wait for that. Yeah. Okay. But in the meanwhile, we are watching dune bug, uh, football players driving dune buggies in the desert in yeah. circles uh, right. while cheerleaders and coaches cheer them on. Yeah, uh, I think they're our... getting ready for a game. No, okay, you can tell the now. scene is funny because they're speeding it up as the chase goes on. Keystone Cops. Now, there's our uh, friend from Harold and Maud, and he's getting captured. I'm a little hard on you because I like you. You just may have a lot of warrior potential, but you gotta hang in there. All right, I get it. So the football players are coming, taking over, and they're building stuff, and they're oh, they're practicing uh, tearing down by building up. Right, right. They they set up. It's dumb. So I, let me talk about uh, this Bud Cortese. Sure. 
he's Harold. Yeah, Harold and Maude. Okay, so Mike, I never saw Harold and Maude. I saw There's Something About Mary. Do you, do you remember? Was he, uh, was he in Something There's Something About Mary? Well, he was... His, okay, so they were in Something About Mar- Mary, and the um, Matt Damon character is trying to lie and trick Mary that they have things in common. So she loves the movie Harold and Maude, and he finds that out through spying. Right? So he goes... I don't know. I'm more. I'm not so interested in these popular films. I'm more like the classics. Like and he goes like um, he goes like Planet of the Apes, <laughs> Indiana Jones. Oh, I don't know. Harold and Maude. <laughs> so I was like, hmm, Harold and Maude. What's that all about? And I went and rented it. It was a really interesting film. You've seen it, right? I have seen it. Uh, I saw it back in college, as one does. It's a San Francisco movie too. You know he how he plays. Uh, he pretends to die. He pretends yeah. he's killed himself. Yeah, uh-huh. and Her- and Maud is this what ninety year old woman. He drives the car over the cliff. Do you remember that? Yeah, of course. And Cat Stevens so- is playing. If you want to drive your car off a cliff, <laughs> drive your car off a cliff. Off the cliff. <laughs> and if you wanna, if you wanna fuck old women, <laughs> just. La, la, la. If you want to have statutory rape, that's for the other side. Uh, yeah. Uh, Bert Cord- remember she gets jealous? <laughs> I, I don't remember. I do remember that she had a, a, a numbers tattooed on her arm, and that completely grounded mm-hmm. the movie for me. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was actually a really good touch to the movie. I think that's one of the reasons why I do like that film, that, that it, it does have a sense of uh, history to it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because you mean that number? Yeah, she had a warranty, and you were placed in. It was. She's a Holocaust survivor. Out. There, I, was, I hate to. Oh, I hate oh. to throw a whip blanket on you, but it oh, implied sorry. that she survived the Holocaust. Oh no, no, I know about the Holocaust. Listen, right. I went to this Jewish deli, and I asked the guy, uh-huh. the uh, proprietor in there. Did you ask him about from the Israel? I was. What's What's the Holocaust? Yeah. Okay. And, and he said a dollar forty nine. A loaf. Right. A loaf. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Look at me. No, oh, I like oh, that. Joke. There's nothing like going on stage. Nothing like being in an audience of a comedy show and having a comic go, uh, "How much does the Holocaust?" It, it just wakes me up. <laughs> I never did that. Should I really do it? No, oh, I, I think no, 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 no. I, I, Don't I, do it. No, I mean no. I just figured not a lot of people are going to know what challah bread is. Well, so. you need to set it up a little bit, or 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 do the challah. With the, well, actually, you know what? Better yet, don't do it at all. Uh. <laughs> okay, alright. <laughs> a decision has been made. Did you ever see? Uh, oh, I just... this is tedious and boring. Okay? Yeah, we're, we're still watching the coach and the football players on field, and our heroes <laughs> finally ran off. One more time. We're, we weren't really talking over anything important. No, it wasn't, and now our heroes escape. Uh huh. He, look, he's trying to knock this thing down. All right, it worked. Well, it was a mistake, and they're going to go, huh? And uh, chase them. And then we have a Keystone Cops, but they get away. So I know Bud Court from a lot of other different movies. He actually directed a film. Uh-huh. And, uh, which I've never seen, but it has a, a, a then-unknown Sandra Bullock in it. And uh, I actually, Really? Yeah, I actually have a friend who uh, plays the harp in that movie, and she was telling me that, uh, about the scene that she was in. Yeah, she was at like a fancy restaurant, and she was the. Wait, harpist. who is that? Oh, yeah, I know her. She always harps on that story. 
<laughs> Not to harp on it. Uh, but he was also... Another interesting role he did was an uncredited role in the movie Heat. Geeks? Really? Heat with uh, Al Pacino. He plays, uh, I think, Danny Trejo's uh, boss in the fast food restaurant. Wait, spell the movie. H-E-A... Wait for it. T. Heap? Heat. I never heard of it. T. T. Oh, heat. He's in heat. Really? Yeah. With, so, with uh, Dan, uh, Al Pacino, but also uh, Danny. Uh, De Niro. Uh, De Niro. Robert right. De Niro. Yeah. Wow. Val Kilmer. He was in the Life Aquatic. He was in. Oh yeah, he was. Uh, the Big Empty. You know, he, he was in Mash as a bit player, but he was in it. Wasn't he a uh, uh, Raider or something like that? No, no. I see what he's, he in this. No, film, actually, I take that back. Like radar that. was actually the radar in the movie and the radar in TV. Same actor. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Lorenzo Boone, private first class Lorenzo Boone. It was a bit part he played in Nash. Oh, it was a very Kurt role. Yeah. Court, court role. He uh, he cameoed in uh, Arrested Development. He there, did as himself. Yeah, he had a TV show called Bud Court. It was like People's Court. Oh, that's funny. 2006, it says here. I never, um, I loved, uh, so much happened on that show that I, I guess I missed that somehow. I love that show. Actually, Kenny Carl, fun. if you're looking at his IMDb, can, do you check under the director of credit? All right, so they're, they're... Uh, yeah. Right now, do it? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll do okay. it right now. So, uh, we should talk about this movie. Could you bring me back some Charmaine? Won't fit in the canteen. So, uh, Sydney Williams and another lady are out at uh, a field okay, where they're building Cindy houses. Williams is pregnant. Oh, right. But and, and and she's 24 years old and 10 months, so they better have this baby fast. It's <laughs> gross. And Ben Vereen was the poker that poked it. Now, what I don't okay. get is that Ben Vereen, who everyone here is under 25? Yes. All right. He, they're going to kidnap this doctor to help the baby be born. Ben Vereen, have you ever here. seen the movie All That Jazz? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where he shows up in the nightmare? Just fucking amazing in that. Well, uh, then I have to see it again. Yeah, he's great in that. He's uh, well, terrific. And then, uh, do you remember him and Jeff Goldblum? No, what film was that? It was a TV show called Ten Speed and Brown Shoe. Oh, that's so familiar. Let okay. me think of, yeah, I'm going to look that up, actually. Well, I know him as Chicken George, of course, from Root. Um, you know, the Alex Haley book that was a miniseries. He was in Funny Lady. I see here he was in All That Jazz, 1979. Yeah, he's great. But what I found out about him, Mike, and I watched it, he was on Second City Television. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember now, that. What, you do? Yeah. Uh, I, I never... Okay, so... The character's name is something Bitman, Bitterman, and he's the comedian. How are uh, you? Yeah, Bobby Bitman, right? Bobby Bitman. Because yeah. his all his jokes are bits. <laughs> I'm so stupid. Is that why he's saying that? Yeah, and then, then, then John Candy played a comic named Sammy Maudlin, who would cry in the middle of his speech. <laughs> oh, that's so good. How are you? How are you? Ah, ah, ah. And right, and Sammy Maudlin was a sidekick. Uh, they had a talk show, the Bobby Vivian show. It, it, it was a um, 
Uh, okay, so Bobby, Ver, uh, what's his name? Bittman. Yeah. He was in Vegas, and he was going to do a show, and Ben Vereen opened up for him, and so it was like <laughs> all a big, like, uh, you know. And the crowd went crazy for him. Right. And so the guy, Martin Short, was like, uh, I want you to open for, for I forget, Ben Vereen. <laughs> Which, of course, Bittman is furious. Yeah, well, he yeah, he said, I'm retiring from show business. <laughs> he did. Great. Yeah. So now here they have the doctor. Right. And they're like, okay, time to deliver a baby. Oh, this is the second time we've like watched. Uh, 12 months pregnant here. All right. She's pregnant with Squiggy's baby. No, it's not Squiggy. And it's not Lenny. (laughs) It's Ben Vereen. It's funny, the doctor's like, how is there a sun, you know, how did he get a suntan inside your belly? I don't get it. Huh. He would have been shielded from the sun. I should raise the volume, because that's really weird. No, no, he didn't say that. I said that. He doesn't say that. So here's some oh, oh. so they're in like a house track, like they're building housing or something, and and the pregnant lady oh he's a flasher I see, uh-huh. and he just flashed her and she's gonna vomit. Uh, he flashes these guys. Yeah. Cooper, help me look for we. It's funny because there's six people in the desert and one of them is a flasher with a trench coat. I'm not sure why it's funny, but that what you're right. It was meant to be a joke, like. Well, they all represent archetypes, right? The flasher, the football player. Raincoat Harry! The policeman. Maybe the, maybe the point they're trying to make is only the stuck-up, stodgy, you know, law cares and chases him. Like the hippies don't care. Ah, Waterman. That reminds me of Waterman. Hey, there's an appearance That's of Waterman. Except you can see the sword. In Waterman, you never see the sword. By the way, that's a uh, Waterman. Uh, if you want to check out Waterman, it's uh, 45 minutes and 10 seconds into this film. We'll mark it. Here's that joke, by the way. She's boring them. They were going to rape her, and then she. Oh, I see. She's, ta- she's still talking of feminist stuff. Who can move? Well, it worked. Oh, I'm not cold. Did they? Well, they say what's going to happen, you might as well lay back and enjoy it. Lie back. Anyway, I found a new word. What? Arrow feather? Zo, zo, zo. That's the reference to a sex. Uh... <laughs> while she was saying that, the uh, director cut to the other people, like flash cuts. Yeah, I don't really understand why, but. <sighs> it is just, I am just tripping. Okay, well. you should. Turn this on because she decided to not have the baby. Third time, and she absolutely refuses to have a baby. That's the doctor. Listen, I just can't bring a child into this kind of a world. Maybe later. Huh, so Carlos? Just... Huh? Wow, that's pretty hardcore, Carl. Yeah, she just decides she's just not gonna have it. Well, that's when the comedy goes screeching to a halt, but we're halfway through the movie right now. When they get to the oracle sign, that's when the movie should end. But it doesn't. 
They're trying to make their way to this Pueblo. I know we've lost sight of what their mission is, but... They're like just a commune. Oh, now they're just... They're running... It's just hippie shit. Yeah. Look how they're once again in the ruins of a junkyard. Yeah, this is a bunch of old planes, military planes are there, and they're they're running around with their arms outstretched like they're planes. And now they're going in there pretending to shoot. Oh, and he put, look, he's put the gun on his penis, and he's, he's shooting it around. Uh, Roger Corman loves this film, by the way. He thinks it's one of his best works. He's right. This, you think so? This is yeah. terrible. Carl, this is one of his best works. I'm not joking. And then they have 110 miles, according to that sign, to visit the article. He's made some really shitty movies. Like, just by shitty, I just mean dull. You know what I mean? Yeah, and th- this was, I do. Yeah. So he was working for a major company uh, during this. And then he shot it real quick and sold it to the independent company. Um, gosh, where is it? I have it written down the somewhere. New line? I know he was involved in that. So it means that he he was doing uh, My Bloody Valentine's... No, My Valentine's Day Massacre, something like that. Oh, yeah, it was United Pictures. So he's with United, a major A-list company. And he's throwing a bone to this international... Well, I think um, that was his company in the 50s and 60s, American International Pictures, AIP. Oh, it was? Well, I, I, you know... It's because of this film. I'm a little rusty on his history. I used to know this a lot. When I was 12 years old, uh, I convinced the uh, Montclair Public Library to uh, have a Roger Corman Film Festival because librarians were able to receive these film reels for free and... There's a bunch of like Attack of the Crab Monster, Giant Crab Monsters, all this shit that uh, Corman did. <laughs> and so we watched him every week. And uh, he he's a ripoff artist. I mean, he's really good at what he does. And his films are entertaining, but they're dull also at the same time. Mm-hmm. There's just patches of just them hanging out in a room. I think the biggest compliment I could give uh, Roger Corman is the movie Armageddon by Michael Bay. It plays like a Roger Corman movie, but with millions uh-huh. of dollars. So we don't just see people in a room watching Aliens Attack on TV. We see everybody in the world watching it. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. yeah. He just kind of explodes it. Okay, now they're on a golf course. Yeah, this is a dumb shtick. Uh, it's like Hell's Angels bikers have taken over a country club, and they run it like a... Uh, uh, like a military dictatorship. Hi, we're, uh, we know who you are. Who am I? Don't get metaphysical. You're the filthy trash who tear up and down the fairways, crazy with dope smoke and cheap wine, seducing young innocent girls while us decent folk foot the bill. Get the marshal. Right, lose. Oh, I see. The parody is that they're actually the uh, yeah, the upper middle class or the upper and class. And Corm is trying to say. If you take away all the old people, that doesn't mean, I mean, a vacuum will be created and it'll be sucked in by all the conservative young people and they'll be fascists and blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm going to have to take his word for it, that this is what the future is going to look like if everyone under 25 is dead. <laughs> now, Roger Corman did these, like, scatterbrain comedies, you know, Little Shop of Horrors and stuff like that. But he also did these counterculture movies like this one and Wild Angel and The Trip. Now, you saw right. The Trip. Yeah, I have seen great. The Trip and I've seen uh, Psych Out. I think he also did that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was great, too. He, so, uh, he's he's known, was, like, if you want to check him out in sincerity, I would check out all the Roger, uh, the Edgar Allan Poe movies he's, he did. He took a bunch of their mm-hmm. stories. 
and made a, a bunch of movies with like Vincent Price and you know Jack Nicholson was working around that time and uh, he has a uh, Little Shop of Horrors is part of his like Bucket of Blood trilogy, mm-hmm. which are films that he had a setup and they're going to destroy the set in four days. He said, well, you know what? Let me use this set. And he made a film called Bucket of Blood about a beatnik who uh, uses dead bodies for artwork. And uh-huh. then he, and then Little Shop of Horrors was another example. He had a setup, and they were going to destroy it. And he just came in and made a movie. And I forget what the third one is, but uh, they're funny. Like, those two movies are great. You know, they just have a quick sense of humor to them. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen this last movie he directed? No. He, you know, he produced, like, uh, Carnosaur and... He still he still produces or at least you know he, under name he's he's still alive in, in Produce, his nineties. Yeah. But you'll see his films in Sci Fi Network. But the last film he actually directed was a film called Frankenstein Unbound. Yeah, I saw that in the research, um, and that was also for American International. Yeah. How could it be? It's it's a worth it's really worth a watch. I mean, I, I like that movie a lot. It's yeah. It's Frankenstein, that Dr. Frankenstein goes into the future or his monster goes into a time travel machine and it's just interesting. Mm-hmm. And it has its own pacing. It's very out of place. For a 1990 film, it just seems very out of place. But uh, I, I would recommend that one for me to talk over. <laughs> All right, so um, Sydney, Sydney Williams is doing something. Oh, she found a jukebox. Yeah, she this loves This doesn't happen. Don't kill me. Yeah, check it out. I, her character is kind of uh, disturbing. <laughs> All right. um, I told you he worked for United Artists at the same time as he did stuff like this. Well, United Artists bought this script, and they said, we're not going to make it. It would cost $2 million to make, and we're not going to make it. And Roger Corman said, no, it wouldn't. And they didn't win the argument. So Corman bought the script back, and wow. he made it with $300,000. Yeah, well, I could see that. Shot with the skeleton crew. They did it in four weeks. Yeah, are the dudes running away? Yep, they're leaving her there. No, no, she says, I just found music again. I can't leave it. Do you understand? And he's like, yeah, I understand. She's like, no baby. Do you understand? He goes, yeah. That's a little no, disturbing. I'm, saying, I'm not going with you because of songs. Do you understand? Yeah. I, if I was Ben Vereen, I would say, surely. <laughs> <laughs> I would Fonzie her, man. Get so, that baby out, you. Cindy Williams and... Uh, you saw the truck again? Pe- Penny Marshall... It's legendary, the stories about as the show became more popular, uh, they did not like each other. And, they would uh, feud. Yeah, they would feud. And you would hear stories about how they would count the words in the script and they had, had exactly the same number of words. Oh, wow. I didn't know that they were nitpicky, stupid people. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. And then I think the last episode, there was some weird thing to that. She quit. It was season number eight, and it right. was the second episode, and she quit. That's um, what it was. That's exactly right. And that's what internet research taught me. I don't know. Well, no, so it was Laverne and Shirley without Shirley. 
Right. I remember. Uh, I don't. I don't. I well, think I had quit on it at that point. Well, that by that show. point, don't forget they moved to Los Angeles, right? They were in Milwaukee or something, and then they uh, and it turned into the Beatles, like the '60s instead of the '50s. Right. Yes, they moved to a Los Angeles apartment, and uh, so did Lenny and Squiggy. Right. And, and also uh, Carmine. Carmine moved. Okay, uh, but then they met new friends, right? And uh, so by the time Cindy Williams left, they had all these other uh, supporting players. And Sarah's like, fine, Cindy, go. Right now our heroes are playing uh, golf and they're shooting. Oh, they're attacking and there's sound. These are protesters and, and all of their signs are jokes. Our caddies are can... starving. Yeah, instead of our babies are starving. It, they're all jokes on real slogans. Suppose from. they gave a tournament and nobody came. <laughs> yeah, that's suppose we held a war. You know, right. They gave a war and nobody came. I like this. This is funny. Now, one more time, they're escaping. People are getting teed off. T-E-E-E-D. Off. And that's not from some saying. I got to give it up to Corbin uh, because... <laughs> A lot of times with bad movies, they'll do these funny signs, and they'll have the prop departments build actual signs or whatever. That was right. just that was obviously like a magic marker, <laughs> right? And that's what he used yes. for his film. It's just like a magic marker on a board. I'm done. Oh, that rock is a beaut. Look at that. Okay, so now they go to another sign. The, the Oracle. Oracle now. Yeah. Oh, they made it to the Oracle. It says. Um, there are no answers, but keep looking. That's what the sign said. Oh, when they finally reach the oracle? Yeah. There uh, are no answers, but keep oh. looking. So They're running like into a barn. The army left us! Force our pussy! Lord, my kingdom for a can over Here, You know, I know this because I followed their Instagram account. Uh-huh. Where they, they posted all the pictures. And I, I would say to these hippies, I said, "Hey, remember when you went to? The, hey, I heard you went to you went to the Oracle. Yeah, I posted it. I posted it on Facebook. Yeah, I already wrote about it on Instagram. I said, oh, all right. You ever talk to someone, Carl, and you say, Carl, uh, you went to the dentist, and you would say, yeah. I already wrote about it on Facebook. Yeah, you can read it on Facebook. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about. it. I already talked about it on Facebook. Can't, don't yeah. you? You don't even look at my blog, do you? Well, let's give it okay, up to so Carl. Carl discovered that if you set the settings of your Twitter account for private to public, you can get retweeted. People can find you. So go ahead and follow Carl. It's very easy. It's at Carl with a C, underscore, 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 underscore. Right. Eleven. Okay. Now, what Adrian is saying is she's going to kill herself. She doesn't want to live anymore. Go ahead, let's hear it. Okay. Uh, wait a second. I might be wrong. This might be a different scene. I'm feeling a little hungry, you know? Oh, wow. Oh, how sweet. You know what? When I'm finished eating, I know what we'll do. Okay, I guess I'm wrong. At Carl. some point, she says, I don't want to live anymore. And poof, she's gone. Oh, all right. Oh, well, uh, we look forward to that moment. Yeah, right. This film is dubbed piss poorly, though. I don't know if it's a YouTube video and not syncing up or what. Uh-huh.
So th- was this where Jesus was born in a manger? Uh, no, this was uh, this is the inn, and it's all full up. Listen, I think I think she is gone now. I she think went that's poof. What he's saying, you see, he's got a noose around his neck. Final anchovy. <laughs> I touch you. Ah! Oh, so this guy shows up with a noose around his neck, saying his girlfriend's gone. Well, no, it's the girl who's been traveling with him the whole time. She's not gone. She's dead. Oh. He's got a smartphone. I want to be. A... No, he doesn't. At the right angle, that's a smartphone. <laughs> I hope you find a girl with his camera in the back. Right, that's that that's the old trick where you look at anything old, and anytime someone's looking at something in their hand, you go, "Oh my God, it's a cell phone." Yeah, look, it's an anachronism. I thought it was people who eat armor. Okay, now you see the black woman there on the left. Right. She's like showed up. I don't know. Well, yeah, well, I haven't seen her before, but... And um, she's going to get together with Ben Vereen when she finds out that... Oh, there's our truck again. It's inexplicable. What is it? What's inside there? Why can't our... Uh, oh, 15 miles, says the Oracle uh, sign. And there's uh, Edgar Allen and Raven. They're watching from right. afar. And they're commenting. Super annoying. They've been warned. Our dear friend Roderick Usher was warned. And yet he persisted. He was your Yeah, man, his house. That, it fell. This woman's unidentified. Oh, I see. Oh, he does have a, uh, a taxidermy raven on his shoulder. It's so cheap, you know. He wrote a thing called Raven. Let's give him a raven. <laughs> well, you know, honestly, Carl, I, I'm going to give Corman some credit. He did direct four or five movies based on Roger, uh, Edgar Allan Poe stories. Yeah, and so, it had uh, uh, Mr. Scary in it. Yeah, so you know what it is? It's like, Vincent Price. So it's like he's referencing himself when he has a, a Edgar Allan Poe person there. Yeah. Wait, what about the year? Yeah, you're right. It was prior to that. It was old-timey. Uh, yeah, okay. So what happens when you turn 25? You instantly die? They let a gas out that killed everybody over 25. Does that mean when these people turn 25? I don't know. Is the gas gone? I don't know. But does that mean like if I was like one day before my 25th birthday, I'd be okay? Or technically I wouldn't be? I don't know the answer. If you turn 25, do you die? Right. I don't know. Now, they're at the Pueblo now. And the stupid joke is that these Indians want to give back to the white man for all that they've taken away. And they It's have like blankets. doing it in reverse. Yeah, it's stupid. Well, let's take a listen. I think he just gave us back the English language. Wait, 50 miles? Was yeah. it closer before? Yeah, this, the Oracle sign says 50 miles. No, 50 feet, Carl. 50 feet? There's no answer, oh, but like, keep looking, the Oracle. Did you ever, um, yeah, you see how it's, uh, it's not even real shot? It's painted on the mountain. Yeah. Well, let's see. Here we're having a, a zoom out. And they're okay with it. They're perfectly cool with it. They just leave. See that Indian house is above? Yeah. Okay. That looks kind of cool. It looks what cool. What is that fan? What, who's in there? Man, when oh, I it's got to be an unfunny joke. I just okay. know it. Well, we got to check it out. I just like the way it looks. Like, I want to hang out there. <laughs> 
Yeah, what took Hi, you so I long? I don't know you here. <laughs> This is my this kind is of New Pueblo. Mexico, you can see. What's that? I, I said this is my kind of Pueblo. My kind of Pueblo, Chicago is. My kind of Pueblo. Okay, so here's Ralph Snyder. Rousing speech, you're welcome. All the hell with that winged rock, right? Well, we're all here in this. Pueblo, because we want to be. Uh, we can all make a contribution by doing what you enjoy doing. There's food, shelter, uh, friendship, and love here. There's no violence, none, no thought of it. Only love. Uh, a speech goes something like that. Beautiful. Uh oh. I don't trust this guy. You can give it meaning if we live by it. We're anxious to make this Pueblo come alive. And we can only do that with people. Uh, Why is a white person instead of an Indian? Uh, well, he well, also he also has like, the, the Jewish tick, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's slubby. Instead of the Indian. Of course, they're not even called in, not even Indians. Did you see he gave him a smartphone? Oh, that's a... No, that's bread from a... Uh, that's a... Freshly made bread. Mm-hmm. That's not. That's a, a kilt, a kern. Uh, that's an ov, uh, oven, Carl. That's not an uh, iPhone maker. <laughs> I was. I meant before when 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 the guy with round glasses. Okay. Okay. Right. Look, it's a bellows. That's Jerry Bella. No, that's not Jerry Bella. <laughs> we're watching locksmiths. We're going through this commune, and everyone is happy, and there's guns. A <laughs> yes. And they could buy some hippie clothing. This looks like Wild West City in New Jersey. <laughs> Alpine, New Jersey. Wild no, no. West City. Yeah, the city that's running wild. It's Andover, Andover, New Jersey. Andover. Yeah, Wild West City. Dinga, 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 dinga. <laughs> that was a, a, a fake a Wild West town. Yeah, and you're doing the Uncle Floyd commercial now. Right, yeah, yeah. Uncle Floyd and Doogie would sing the song. And he would be running. Uncle Floyd was a famous New Jersey person, right? He's in the movie Patterson. He's on the uh, Patterson, New Jersey bar wall of Patterson Wall of Fame. Character says, (laughs) Who's that guy next to the picture of Uncle Floyd and Oogie? Yeah. Oh. He hits the small town. He was in Crazy People with Dudley Moore. Right. He was in Good Morning Vietnam. He was Robert in Good Morning Williams. Vietnam. He was an antagonist uh, DJ to, to Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. He was in Mr. Wonderful with Matt Damon. I mean, the guy's been in major films. We're talking about a guy that we love and we've met and we've worked with who yeah. in New Jersey for decades had a show called The Uncle Floyd Show and it was a kid's yeah. adult show and the Ramones played a lot. He would have musical guests. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, it was on uh, UHF uh, in Newark, and Channel 66, I think, or 68. And then uh, he did a show live from Newark. It's Uncle Floyd that played after Saturday Night Live on Channel 4. Yes, yeah. that's right. And that lasted for a bit. And that was basically it a lasted for one season, 13 yeah, episodes. 13 episodes. And then they would take the, the local show and put in the highlights from the week. 
So the story goes that um, there was a guy at NatPe who was um, an executive at NBC, and he was just at, he just happened to be there, and he was mad at something. I don't know what it was. Something about his management, and so he goes, "Hey, Uncle Floyd, you wanna, you know, you want a contract?" And he 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 <laughs> to make his bosses mad for whatever reason. He was disgruntled. He signed Uncle Floyd to appear on Saturday Night Live. That's insane. Poor Uncle Floyd. <laughs> yeah, and it, so it lasted for one thirteen episode season. <laughs> And we're talking about not the good Saturday Night Live either. It was like uh, right. the Lorne Michaelis, yeah, Charles Rocket, the late Charles Rocket. It was it was uh, bad, and then he was the only reason why you would stay up to watch it. You know, you would be like, well, at least I could watch Uncle Floyd at one a.m. <laughs> I remember after the good uh, uh, Saturday Night Live cast, there would be Second City TV. You know, Eddie Murphy and Joe Piscopo and all that. Right, and. Um, uh, that was much better. I mean, Uncle Floyd was very cool, and especially because it was local, and we used to watch him right. on, you know, snowy UHS channel. Uh, well, he also exciting. did a lot. He did a live show. He would play a lot of old timey songs on his piano, and he did ventriloquism <laughs> with Oogie. Oh, it's so awful! Plug, can you plug, plug, plug? He does this song. Um, you know that uh, the Yellow Rose of Texas? No, uh, deep in the heart of Texas. Oh yeah, go ahead, Carl. I know what you're going in with this. Yeah. He changes it to Jersey, and he does all these joke lyrics uh, uh, where the chemicals stink and the something, something <laughs> creak and deep in the heart of Jersey. And he really basically rags on it. Right. Rags on his own self-effacing, you know. Well, we love Uncle Floyd, and he showed, he showed up he in does. a movie from two years ago, at least a picture of him. Yeah. Uh, if you want to see Uncle Floyd live, area people, you simply go to Rivera's uh, in Fairlawn, New Jersey, where he does a dinner show, and that is on Wednesdays. Wednesdays, I think it starts at 7 p.m. and ends at 9. I, we, okay. recommend, we recommend it. I mean, that's, he's been doing uh, shows like that for decades. Yeah. Yeah. No, but the greatest thing about Uncle Floyd is he'll be in the biggest thing ever and then the smallest thing ever in the same week. You know, he's a, he was in a uh, David Bowie song. I don't know if your crowd would know that either. No, tell me um, about that. Oh, you don't know about that? I think I heard something about it. I didn't really know. There's a whole David Bowie song that was written um, for Uncle Floyd. Uh, they uh, No, about Uncle Floyd. He would be in New York City, and I don't know, he was doing some sort of project, and everyone would run off to watch Uncle Floyd. So he's like, <laughs> what is this Uncle Floyd you're all so hype on? And so he watched a bunch of them with them, and uh, a song was written. Let me just look at what the song's called. Wow, that's great. Uh, so he's big and little. Yeah, well, oh, absolutely. Away. I mean, he's definitely a local legend, and I'm sure there's, America has tons of them. Okay, now uh, the commune and the football players and all the characters we've seen are, are now confronting each other. The song's called Slip Away. Yeah, that's right. They're all together and they're going to have a big battle now. Stunning. And the Roger Corman joke is that they have to protect, they have to militarize a commune, ha, 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 in order to protect it. Oh, I get you. Well, I guess yeah, that's a joke. So that's Roger Corman's statement. 
this joke. <laughs> of course, it's the author, but I mean, like, you'd never know how much was really written by the, um, uh, the right, author. Right, by the script or by necessity. Right, because they had a first draft and they made it up as they went along, a lot of it. Huh. Oh, uh, Carl, I wanted to mention, I guess since we changed the subject to Floyd, uh, I'll bring this up now. I got to see a sneak preview of The Disaster Artist, uh, uh-huh. directed by James Franco, and he plays Tommy Wiseau, the weirdo director who did a bad movie called The Room. And it's a retelling of the making of his cult movie. What you? Oh, hey! You know what? Yeah. I think I saw a promo for that so very long ago. Right. Well, it's, what, com- what? it's coming out next month. What's it called again? The Disaster Artist. It's based okay. on the memoirs of of one of the main uh, actors in the film. Okay. I think that's going to be great. Um, you know, James Franco, it's a bit of a crapshoot. You saw it. What do you think? Was well, it great? I, I would not be surprised if it gets nominated for Best Picture, just because it seems to be a Best Picture type movie, whether it's the artist uh-huh. or, you know, it's about, or La La Land. It's about Hollywood. It's like an yeah. Ed Wood type. But uh, it, it plays like a bad movie podcast, the movie. Do you know what I mean? Because it starts yeah. off with actual, like, famous comedians contemporary comedians talking about the actual movie before the credits and then there's a lot of other famous comedians reenacting uh, uh, characters and quoting dialogue as part of you know the preparation of the play so they're like quoting the movie and they're reenacting the movie uh, it's alright I, I, yeah. you know, I had seen this film uh, Interior Leather Bar James Franco where he reenacts uh, the leather bar scene from uh, Cruising and what that means to the actors and uh He's really good at recreating film or having characters talk about the craft. And there's, you know, he blurs the line between artifice and reality. Uh, someone plays himself in this, you know. But right. really, ultimately, it's just kind of shallow. Uh-huh. But, uh-huh. It's, okay. you know, it's a funny movie. I, I was laughing the whole way through, and I love The Room. So, you know, I definitely think it's fine, but it, it came off as shallow. It came off it's, as a, it came off as an episode of a bad movie podcast. Mm-hmm. Would you say worth seeing? Uh, you mean on the theater or when it shows up on your TV set? Yeah, when it shows up. When it shows yeah, up on your TV set, definitely watch it, by all means. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't know if you need to run out. I would not be surprised if it's nominated for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Because it just seemed like such a... It, it's a likable enough film, but... Okay, it, here's God, by the way. Okay. God just struck a light. That was a hell of a sign. Uh... Irony. Hi, everybody. Now, you can come out now. So, a bunch of people who are like dead. <laughs> oh, there's the dead girl. Back. Oh, all the, all the and, people came back from the dead. Right, and those are the the, uh, the golf cart biker people. Sydney Williams and the doctor. What about the baby? Is the baby coming I out? I guess it's in her belly. She doesn't want to have it. So, what happened here is um, they were going to militarily protect the commune, and then they decided they couldn't. So, everybody in the whole place put on Red Cross outfits, like they're doctors or nurses or helpers. And then, you know, because it's, it, you know, Geneva Convention. Ha, ha, ha. So, they can't attack. 
then God shows up and uh, makes a lightning bolt, and everybody comes out and has a big, big party, people who are dead. And now the van is going to open up, the one that we've, that's been following them this whole time. Oh, good. And out will come, like... Wait, wait, don't tell me if it's happening right now. Okay. God, we still have a half hour of this movie? No, 40 minutes. No way. Yeah, it's really? one, hour, one hour, 15 minutes into it, and it's one hour, 58 minutes. I, we're probably not going to get to the end of this movie. But this was supposed to be the end, the big party. I don't understand. Okay. Right. See, he's turning in his gun. Oh, you know, maybe they, they're uh, friends. Maybe there's a bonus feature at the end of this. Like somebody who posted it. Uh-huh. Yeah, so everybody's checking. Everyone's having fun in Dallas. Yeah. Now, what's supposed to happen now is there was this um, uh, giant uh, panorama of everybody, and God was talking with this heavy New York Jewish accent. And the people at AI uh, American International Films were like, no way. We're... Uh, they cut the scene. Roger Corman says it was the best scene he ever made in his life, and he quit them because of it. Oh, because it, it would have offended Christians? That's the one yeah, thing in this it was movie? There's Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln, paper mache Lincoln, paper mache Gandhi. These are paper mache Gandhi. Gandhi gets a nice hug. Oh, uh, there's CFK. These people are wearing paper mache masks. Uh, there's Che. Che Guevara. Or no, Aren't you or, glad you waited? Is this Fidel Castro? They've been following the whole time. Martin Luther King just walked out. Hey, Alfred E. Newman! What? Do you worry? Aren't they all going to rape, cheat, steal, lie, fight, and kill Edgar? What? Never more! That bird always gets the word. There's a guy talking on a banana curl. Yeah, that's banana phone. Banana phone? Yeah, it would um, transmit radio waves through the air to a tower, and it was connected to a network, you know, connected to the land network there. Uh, Banana phone. Look, the movie's ending. Jesus shall be fired on the golden chariot and descend to I. Yeah, Tally Coppola. Tally Coppola. Oh, T-A-L-L-Y Coppola. Yeah. And she's she's Talia, T-A-L-I-A. All right, this is it. Copyright 1970. Yeah. Excuse me. So what the fuck is the rest of the half hour? Looks like a real troublemaker tonight. No, there hasn't been anyone like that around the church oh, for years. Oh, I see. It's just, uh... It's like extras. My conscience is troubling me, DVD Father. DVD extras. Do we want to watch this? Oh, it's outtakes? Is it the same scene? Maybe they just put it in there. It's like another take, another run-through of that. I think I think it's, uh... Maybe it's the actual movie. No, no, we ah, didn't see that. This swine. might be. Are you the one who phoned, Father? Yes. Okay. All right, Carl, let's call it a day then, huh? Okay. All right. Well, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, we're going to stop there. And there's about a half hour more material. Maybe it's outtakes. Maybe it's the same movie. That's up to you. But, man, right. was that exciting to watch. Gas, or it became necessary to destroy the world in order to save it. You are a St. Carl for sitting through this movie beforehand. And uh, <laughs> oh, thank ready, you. telling us, getting some great information. Um, I did endure. <laughs> 
Next weekend, we'll be doing a show. Uh, you're not going to... Carl, I can play... Are you, Carl will not be uh, available next Sunday for the Thanksgiving weekend. Right, because yes. I must go to my family. Uh, <laughs> so there's a Thanksgiving with one family and then a Thanksgiving with another family, as if there was a divorce or something. And I, yeah, Sunday I must go. I'm sorry. All right, you know, no one was, no one really cares. But no I'm kidding. <laughs> it sounds like that that holiday comedy. Not even my mom. Two Thanksgivings. Uh, so I'll either have I'll either be here with a live guest or I have as backup our special premium show The Godfather which we'll be posting yeah, yeah I have a backup but so either way uh, Carl will be coming back in two weeks and Carl had picked the movie uh, yeah. which why do we keep it private or do you want to reveal it uh, I don't know we don't you didn't you picked the movie right oh it's yeah the, but you uh, gave documentary. You, you gave a terrific oh we could do the uh, you yeah. give it. To, oh, let's watch the. Do you want to watch it? Oh no, you haven't watched it yet. The documentary. Let's watch the documentary. Okay, so we're gonna in two weeks. We're gonna watch a documentary called Revolution, from 1968. It's about 60 to 70 minutes worth of archival footage from Hate Ashbury. Carl, what do you think yeah. about the Hate Ashbury? Oh, I hate Ashbury, man. Well, you heard it here first. So we'll be doing that in two weeks. Revolutionary. That's cool. I'm glad. And uh, we'll, that's right. We're gonna riff. A documentary mm-hmm. when the hardest right. riff. Uh, okay. Bay Area, Bay Area, Bay Area. I I just performed. Uh, I just hosted Hell Hat. So if you are a listener of MutinyRadio.fm, uh, you can check out one of the podcasts called Pamtastic Comedy Clubhouse. Pam was out, and I hosted uh, the oh, show where nice. you stick your hand into a bag and you pull out a slip of paper. The bag is being the Hell Hat, of course, and you have to play whatever suggestion given to you written down so it was a fun show and you could go uh, check out our archives at mutinyradio.fm to hear that and uh, what do you got going on you got a show coming up this Wednesday yeah I do I have one uh, yeah Thanksgiving Eve at the Broadway Comedy Club 9.30pm upstairs uh, and thank you and also Waterman's in production Carl has a show that he's working on it's called Waterman and it's really funny and uh, yeah. so, thanks. Next Tuesday we shoot. Next Tuesday we shoot. Thanks, Maybe Mike. Set up a Kickstarter and we and we'll plug that on the show. Kickstarter? I don't want people. To yeah, you don't want to be responsible for shit. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Carl. Uh, thanks so much, uh, guys. Uh, we're on Twitter at L W A F L M O Y T. It's a good way to keep in touch with us. I'll be posting uh, a blog post by Monday, Carl. Okay, excellent. All right, excellent. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Mutiny Radio. Thank you, listeners who follow the feed. We have about 22,000 downloads last year, uh, last year, uh, last month. Not that you care. Very nice. But it was very nice. So we like doing what's happening. So let's keep it going. All right, thank you guys. I'm going to stop muttering. Bye. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube. With Mike Spiegelman Let's watch a full length Movie on YouTube With Mike Spiegelman It's been over one Watching movies
German strudels. <laughs> you should follow me on Twitter. It's Jokes to Carl. Uh, that's the French duh, not the <laughs> Now let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Michael. Tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shitface McRat. <laughs> Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> if you're looking for a personal injury lawyer in San Francisco, look no further than Francis J. Shaheda. Mr. Shaheda did an amazing job with my case. First, he informed the courts about my case that had not been scheduled or submitted yet, despite the language on the citation. I was so confused and afraid of the legal system, but he did it all for me. He communicated promptly via email with any of my questions. I was afraid of an enormous fine for a small infraction, as well as a criminal offense on my record, but he spoke to the DA to have my case removed from criminal court and put into the community court system. I am so overwhelmingly happy with the results he generated and would recommend him to anyone with legal issues. This is a personal first-person narrative because Francis J. Shaheda helped me personally, helped Mutiny Radio 
go to him for personal injury issues. You can email him at www.personalinjuryattorneyfjs.com. Again, the law office of Francis J. Shaheda in San Francisco. and underground space for an event? Look no further than mutinyradio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's Performance Space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsidai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Trying to hurt me, but boy, how it burns me whenever she touched me. And oh, I feel so lucky. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be like in front of an audience? Like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shit. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> The Night Space brings you High Time Storytime every Wednesday night from 10 to midnight on Mutiny Radio. Listen to San Francisco's finest underground comedians read crazy stories written by me, Arden, on The Night Space. The Night Space featuring High Time Storytime every Wednesday night from 10 to midnight on Mutiny Radio. High Time Storytime Volume 1 now available on Amazon.com for Kindle and electronic download. I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on mutinyradio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... Uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by uh, Here's you. his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch
Howdy, mutineers. It is I, Stolowitz, Dark Lord of the Sith, and several dive bars in San Jose. Every Tuesday night from 10 p.m. to midnight, join me in my quest to escape from the occult oubliette, a world of violence, intrigue, sexuality, mysticism, magic, and leftover spaghetti. Enjoy my insane rants about leftist causes, Midwestern witchcraft, the ascendancy of Skynet, and why neo-paganism is vastly overrated. I've got guests, music, comedy, and old Alan Watts lectures from the 70s. How can you resist? You can't! I put a spell on you! Ah! MutinyRadio.fm is an official shrine of the miraculous garlic of Mount Cavalry. We are not associated with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, except on Tuesdays at 10 p.m. Hope to see you there. Or hear you, I should say. Hey, Zach Wiseman, you're a good comedian. You know how I got good? How good? How did you get so great at comedy? I got great at comedy. Yeah, every Friday from 6 to 8 with new host Trina Roderick. It's where um, people go and sometimes they smell bad and sometimes they don't smell bad. Mutiny Radio made me great. (laughs) Mutiny Radio made me better than you. And that you can be better than everyone else, too, every Friday from 6 to 8 on Happy Hour here at Mutiny Radio. But you'll bet never be better than me. You'll never be better than me. You'll never be better than Zach. And also, it's a happy hour, but we don't have any alcohol, so it's happy-ish. But you're going to do comedy. I'll do comedy. And you're going to enjoy comedy. Just be an audience. Just come. It's free. Yeah, I just drink in my car. <laughs> you could like drink. Like an adult. Exactly. Drink, drink around the corner somewhere else. Not here. But uh, come to Happy Hour every Friday from 6 to 8 with Trina Roderick. Yeah, do that. Tell me what you think about your situation. Complication, aggravation. Is it getting to you? Then tune in live every Sunday from 12 to 2 p.m. to the Edge of Insanity with myself, Paul Brumbaugh. Kit Marie. Brandon Ray. And Mistress Christine. All on Mutiny Radio. That's right, PCRcollective.org. We'll see you there. Are you a stand-up comedian? Do you want to be in 25 shows in five days at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco? Well, now's your opportunity. Apply now for the Spark Presents third annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival, March 1st through 5th. That's 25 shows in five days featuring 40 comics from out of town, and one of those comedians could be you. Go to our website, www.mutinyradio.fm, and click Click on the submission form. Apply for the Spark Presents third annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. It's only $10, and you can apply right now through November 30th for 25 shows during five days, all streaming live, all podcast posts, all Mutiny Radio, all the time. The third annual Spark Presents Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2018. Apply now. God, I can't even hear myself think.
today, this lovely Saturday afternoon. And uh, we can't wait to get to it. We've got special guests coming in. We've got some special features. And we've got a very special experiment. Currently, here at the Muni Radio Studios, here in the beautiful mission, I have a 1977 Fender Stratocaster guitar slung around my neck. At some point, maybe more than one point, during today's broadcast, I'm going to wail. I'm going to shred this guitar. Just for fun, this is a little experiment. Later on tonight, I'm going to be DJing at the Lucky Horseshoe Saloon out in Bernal Heights, uh, Bernal, Bernal area of San Francisco. I believe it's 453 Cortland. It's a free DJ night. And I'm gonna be spinning oldies, surf, cool funk, and maybe even some like Black Sabbath-y kind of old metal. And uh, I'm gonna try this whole like guitar experiment. So, uh, in order to test it, I'm going to uh, subject you listeners, you lovely listeners, as my guinea pigs, and I'm going to try to play along. Let's hear, hear, hear some guitar right here. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's my guitar. And uh, let's start things off with a little Guantanamo Baywatch, how about? Let's keep the spirits up, let's keep the spirits alive, hope you're feeling good. Let's do it.
USA. That was pretty fresh. I'm into it. Um, and you probably heard me play some terrible guitar over some of those tracks. Because I don't really know what I'm doing here. Check it out. How's that sound? Super fun. Let's uh, let's continue going with another cool guitar surf band from the uh, the '60s. This is uh, the Ventures. They were one of the first bands to ever get to play around with fuzz pedals. I mean, now we kind of take it for granted. Um, back in the day, a fuzz pedal that made your guitar just sound like this nasty transistor radio gone completely haywire was totally new. And uh, I believe it was Dallas, the company Dallas Arbiter, that sent the Ventures the Fuzz Face, the original Fuzz Face. And they came up with a cool song called the 2000 pound B and let's uh let's let's have a little listen guys Uni Radio <laughs> <laughs> 